Welcome to the Restoration Church podcast, Behind the Sermon, where we get to sit in on a conversation between our pastors and hear about what they're learning, what they're teaching, and what God is doing throughout our church. Enjoy the podcast. Hey, welcome to the Behind the Sermon podcast. It's Pastor Nate, and I've got our guests with us, Pastors Cody and Pastor Deborah Winkler. Uh, came this weekend all the way from Ohio. Guys, why don't you say hi and then... No, I was going to make a joke, but I couldn't think of anything fast enough. <laughs> well, say hi, let people hear your voice and recognize who's who. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm Cody. and I'm Deborah. And we are from Ohio. We pastor a church called Dayspring Church. And uh, I have just enjoyed our time here in, in New Hampshire. It's been our first time, That's first time first, ever. First time in the New England area outside of New York City. Um, we haven't been able to travel much on the East Coast, and so it's been great. Love the people, love your church and your team. So it's been good to be with everybody. We we were in New Hampshire. We had the leaders retreat in Maine. Anything about the um, topography or the just the area that stands out that's different than Ohio or any place else that you lived? Yeah, well, I mean, we have you know miles and miles of cornfields. And in Ohio, in Northwest Ohio, yeah, it's it's pretty flat. It's very flat. So I don't know what I was expecting, but it was uh, more trees than I than I anticipated. Mm. I, I don't know what I was expecting. Yeah, right. Well, you may Cody maybe made just the, the ocean. Yeah, maybe Cody made the comment that if he was driving through the mountains and the turns and the twists, that we would have had a lot of dialogue about his driving because he would have probably been caught looking at things and maybe made me car sick or something like that. But I, I survived with no car sickness, so that's good. Yeah, only we when we were driving home from the retreat, uh, we only had one person get car sick, so. Alleged. That was, alleged yeah, allegedly, right. <laughs> so that was pretty successful. I think that's driving, a good trip, yeah. I think driving through the mountains, yeah. You can drive through the mountains and only one person gets fake car sick. I think that's right. a good day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think one of our kids might have that tendency as well. He fakes sleeping so that he doesn't have to talk to people. It's the introvert yeah. in him. Um, so you guys started in January of 2020 at Dayspring and talk to us a little bit about, well, we'll, we'll talk about the message too, Pastor Deborah, you did awesome, but talk to us about your church and um, some of the amazing things about your church. Like what are some of the strengths that you guys have? What are some of the victories that you've seen just brag. We like. We just want to celebrate. It increases our faith. Um, so, yes, yeah, so we came to our church in 2020. Actually, January 1 of 2020, with nothing but hope and aspiration in front of us, and then quickly found out that hopes can detour pretty quickly. Every senior pastor's dream is to have their sanctuary empty after two and a half months of being there. <laughs> yeah, you know? so you're there two and a half months, and your first Easter, you're preaching to a room full of cameras. And, uh, and so the church was, uh, it was a re- revitalization work. It was a church that had been really a banner church in our network in Ohio, part of the Assemblies of God. And through just a series of, you know, pastor, pastors coming and going and decisions that were made, the church dwindled from like 1,500 down to a couple hundred. And uh, Deborah and I knew that we wanted to be part of something. We, we know we're not church planters. Praise uh, the Lord. We just... We don't have that kind of right. crazy in us, you know, but we did. We do think we had the leadership to go in and breathe life on something, and so we we were led to this church, and really God God spoke to us to go 
go to day spring. Yeah. And it, it, we didn't really know what we didn't know. And so we jumped in with all the hopes and dreams and vision and, and direction and all the ideas that have been bursting in your heart over the course of, you know, 20 years of ministry and, you know, then kind of got hit with something that we weren't expecting in 2020. So I, I think it was, it was um, one of those moments where you just had to dig deep and go, okay, God, you, you aren't surprised by this. And so even though we've maybe had some ideas and plans, like you're about to do something really cool and new and different. Um, and so we just wanted to be in step and in tune with whatever he was doing. So it was a huge um, moment of faith for us to really rely on the Holy Spirit and, you know, try a lot of different things that we weren't sure were going to even work because nobody knew what to do when the world shut down. Right. And our church was definitely not prepared for that. Um, you know, we didn't have a way that was going to easily put a service online the next week. And so, I mean, Cody can share a little bit about, you know, our strategy for getting online and how all of that timetable worked. But, it, you know, we just didn't, I don't know, it was a wild ride. Yeah, we didn't have internet. We didn't have cameras. We had basic internet. We had like maybe like you could, three mega, megabytes. Wow. I don't know what that means, but it's not much. Well, we have uh, 250 now, so right, it's significantly different. So just enough to get maybe two computers online and have send it was like email. Yeah, one step up from dial up, basically. Yeah. (laughs) So we AOL online. When I grew when I grew up, we had um, cable. I'm trying to remember, but I remember. Every time it rained, the internet <laughs> yeah, wouldn't like, work. Uh, yeah. Is it going to work? Kids today, they don't know the struggle. <laughs> no like, idea. God, please don't let it rain tonight. I got to chat. I got to <laughs> get I on am. and check Here my I messages. Come. Yep. So we, you know, because the church was in uh, kind of a downward decline and we were there and COVID was there, we didn't know who was part of us and who wasn't part of us. And uh, we just made a decision in, in that moment that we were going to, we, we, you know, pastors are good at making up little fun phrases. So ours was, we're going to pivot, not panic. Mm. And so whatever the world's throwing at us right now, we're just going to pivot and adjust. Nothing that we do is going to stick along because it's going to change tomorrow. And as, as our church leadership got together, we just decided, let's be pioneers and let's just get on the on the front end of this thing and see if God might bless it. And so we we did. We partnered with Convoy and we got a bunch of food in because we were in a fruit, kind of in a food depressed area at that time. Uh, kids are on free and reduced lunches in the schools that we're at. They weren't able to go to school, so we started community dinner mm-hmm. for everybody uh, on Wednesday nights. Uh, we just started trying to find ways to get into the community. Uh, and then by August, so you know, we shut down March 13th. And by August, we were like, hey, let's do a serve day and just go out and be the hands and feet of Jesus to our community. Let's let's rake leaves. Let's do stuff for the schools. Let's do whatever we can. And uh, we had 200 people sign up for that serve day and there was 200 wow. people in our church. Wow. And so that's, that's just where we were at. And uh, and so we, we just continued to just, Take those steps of faith. And so if if our church was in decline then, I would say that our church is on the edge now. So that pioneering spirit that was birthed in COVID is continuing. You're not on there. the edge of decline. On not the on the edge, edge of, of decline. Yeah. We're on the edge of- Our seat, I guess. Of, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah edge, edge of our seat, seat doing stuff. Yeah, we're active. How yeah. have you guys, you know, 
that's exceptional growth over three and a half years. You know, quadruple. How have you even maintained? How have you figured that out? How how we don't how are know. you doing that? that how, that's a, those are excellent those questions, are questions. If we had good answers, so I one of the things that we want to be as innovators that you know we marry the vision and we date the process or the the method because that could change and probably does need to iterate right. over and over and over again so that you stay fresh and and that you're reaching people in different ways and so if you if you're staying tied to the mission it can have a lot of different expressions and and there were times where it was like, hey, this worked for the last six months, but we feel like it's really not working now. And then there's other things that, oh, this is working. Okay, this is a staple. We we can't we can't get rid of this. We have to keep doing this. It might need some some updates and some fresh life on it, but it is a part of who we are. And I think we took bold steps of faith coming back from COVID. People were conscious of their distance to one another. They were very self-conscious about their engagement in worship and with the altar. And, and it was like space was a big deal. And we just knew that people needed proximity to the Lord. And, you know, we took time in every service um, to pray for healing. And we saw miracle upon miracle of people being healed from physical illness and set free from addiction and things like that, that people would say— were things of the old or hadn't seen in a while. And it just mm-hmm. breathes some fresh life. When God heals you of back pain that you've had for 20 years after one moment of prayer, it kind of just changes everything. Yeah. So I feel like we were willing to look silly, look foolish, do things that people hadn't seen before, been a part of, um, just as the Spirit led. And it it kind of, I don't know, it just opened doors to to crazy miracles that were happening and and continuing to see people want to serve and reach out and inviting people to church. And um, I don't I don't have any credit for any of it. God has just done an incredible work through our church. And, and we have such a great um, core group of people who've been through so many things. It's a 40-year-old church and people that have been there since day one. Um, but we're trying to figure out how to man- manage whatever it is we're doing with the idea of like still adding in new things and, and, and different seasons um, of ministry as we grow and as we continue to disciple the people that are already there. So I don't know, what would you throw in? I think you covered all of it. What's something great about the people in your church that you wish like was a characteristic of every church? Like if you could um, clone this mm-hmm quality or this uh, behavior? Yeah, I think two things that I think of right off the top are they're very kind and they love very quickly. Mm. Um, and then they they mobilize to respond, to serve mm-hmm. very fast. Uh, they didn't want to be a church that was just focused on themselves or on a weekend expression. They wanted to be a church that was out doing something in the community known more for what our hands were doing than anything else. So I think they love well. Like if you walk into our church, if you're an introvert, it's probably going to be overwhelming because you're going to get hugged a million before you hugs. even get in the door. Um, but we have ear earbuds for you, earplugs. So you can put those in and sit in the corner and, and recover for the next hour. Uh, <laughs> but then their their ability and their desire and their love to, to serve. And that's really what happened in COVID is we, we 
kept giving opportunities for serving. And so now we have, I think, five or 600 people plugged into serving, serving alone. So 200 in the church, and now we got five to 600 in serving. So wow. I think if every church could do that, yeah, not think what's in it for me, but what what's my part to play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think if, if every church could figure that aspect out, not I'm just here to receive, but I'm here to be a part of something, there's no stopping what the local church can do. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So good. Yeah, we'll we'll clone some of that for sure. <laughs> I think well, one you of guys the, are passing out invite cards everywhere. So it's true. Yeah. I think one of the good things about our church, especially because I've been here so long and I know what it used to be like. Yeah. But um at at all of our locations, people don't really bat an eye no matter who walks in. That's awesome. And they, and it's not like they're just ignoring them either. Like he's just like, Hey, glad to have you here. Right. Yeah. And I think there's only like Maybe I shouldn't say that's not the podcast, but there's only like a few people who are kind of snooty. Yeah. And it used to be a lot of people yeah. mm-hmm. who'd be like, why are they here? They're making me feel uncomfortable. I don't really want their kids around my kids. And mm-hmm. now it's Sunday service. Like everybody's pumped. Yeah. No matter who comes in, it's yeah. not, you know, it's not like, oh my word, we have a guest, right? But it's yeah. just like the expectation is, God's going to send we all kinds of people, yeah. the richest of the rich to the poorest of the poor. And it like, no one just reacts. It's just, we're just here for, for Jesus. And we're here to share Jesus. And that's what makes church so unique is it's probably one of the only rooms in the world where you can have, you know, like a, a wealthy doctor and a struggling single parent sit next to each other every week and be on the same page. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a, a beautiful dynamic that, that doesn't happen anywhere else but but the church. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And for people to feel welcome and safe when they walk in the in the door actually just kind of takes down some of those walls before they're even in worship and hearing the message. So that's that's an attribute that everybody can learn from as you're sharing that the church has grown in that. I think that's so important. And you know, not everybody does want to hug. But you know, the thing about it is is it's different than the world. It's different than what they're getting everywhere else. And we're supposed to be set apart. So let's be a little weird and friendly. I like it. Yeah. One more question off subject of the sermon. Over our weekend, we've talked a few different times about the call. And you guys are in Bowling Green, Ohio, rural area. Um, And you had some open positions at your church for a couple of years because it took a long time to Mm -hmm. find the people to take those jobs at the church. And one thing we've talked about is um, people just aren't in it for the call anymore or just receiving the call anymore. And I just, will you just take a minute and maybe pastor our church? Because I'm sure there's people who aren't thinking that way. Maybe even staff members who aren't thinking that way. Yeah. You know, there was a, a lot of time where, because of my life decisions, we had a lot of student loan debt. And so we had to be very kind of careful with what positions we took. And so what that led to was kind of looking at, you know, what 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 benefits are being offered or what what is the financial state going to be? <clears throat> and if we get thinking like that uh, too often, then we look past some great opportunities and assignments mm-hmm. really that God has for us. And I was uh, eating breakfast with one of my mentors one day, and he said, 
you know, you talk a lot about fringe things and a little about the call. And you just need to know that there's no safer place to be than in the middle of God's will. But there's also no more dangerous place to be than in the middle of God's will. Right. And if you will make decisions that are not maybe that that are that move the call of God forward and that you feel the call connected in your spirit with your spouse, then there is really not going to be a time in your life where you're going to need anything. And that just reframed my perspective of maybe what we're looking for in a church or what kind of job we might need. And we started framing things more on kind of what is our life mission statement and developing that out. Yeah, and from the beginning of our marriage, we thought it was important to be on the same page with our mission, our life mission, and what our focus would be and let that be the guardrails to our decisions. And when you're tied up in debt and financially not free to just say yes to whatever God would have you do, it, it makes you feel like you're in a waiting room, like waiting to be used by God. And it's you're not quite where you want to be, maybe. And I think we had to get to a point where it's like, we're not in a waiting room. We're like actively on mission, on call right now, even though it's not what the fulfillment of what we think the dreams God has given us are. And then we purposed in our own hearts that we were going to do everything we could to get out of debt so that we could say yes. And that meant sacrifices on our end. It meant not keeping up with the Joneses. It meant saying no to family events that we couldn't afford to go to. And it meant no cable for probably the first 15 years of our Mm -hmm. marriage. (laughs) We all survived. And, um, saying no to some of those things so that we could get out of debt without working so many jobs that we couldn't see our family or whatever, but saving and and always, always tithing. And God gave us a word that if we took care of his house, he would always take care of our house mm. and that it was the debt was finished. And that was seven years before we actually paid off our debt. So we like held on to that promise for that long. Yep. And had to continue to remind ourselves, like, no, God said, if we take care of his house, um, he'll take care of our house. And when we took a position at a church in Naperville, Illinois, we moved and we thought there is no way we can buy a house in this market. The Chicago market is wild and overly expensive (laughs) in a lot of ways. And we ended up getting a foreclosure and we, because we're not shipping Joanna Gaines, took quite a long time to renovate it and get it to where it was safe to live in. Um, And after many trials of things not going right and the things we wanted to do not being able to be done because we needed to replace the HVAC and all these different things, and then living in the house and having some little dinky issues, after two and a half years of being in that house, or three years, I'm trying to remember, somewhere around that, we ended up selling the house and made enough profit to pay off all of our student loan debt that was remaining, which was significant, and then also get into um, an incredible house that had everything that we had been praying for. Wow. And I know not everybody's story is that way, but there were times we had to just grind it out, holding on to the promise of what God had told us to do and what he had called us to, rather than looking for the next best opportunity. We just had to hold on to that promise, and it required waiting But in that waiting, he taught us so much, and it set us up to be able to say yes to Bowling Green. If we have 
debt and we're, you know, still struggling and, you know, all these different things going on, then we're not able to say yes to the next call. So in that waiting time where you feel like you're just circling, hoping to land the spot or the gig or the right thing, maybe God's using that to prepare so that you can sustain what he's moving you to next. And that's what we just kind of just dug in. I don't know. We're both pretty stubborn and hard-headed. So I don't know. The faith measure for us is just like, okay, well, God said it. He's going to do it. We're just going to dig in. And then reminding each other, you know, we're right. in it together. And it might not look great right now, but this is what he said. This is what he said. I think if you're just looking for, you know, good opportunities and not assignments, then maybe you don't prepare for the assignment that you're called to. Right. Um, That's good. You know, so like I used to say, well, I'm just not administrative, but I'm good with people, but I'm not administrative. Well, I mean, you know, when you grow in ministry, you have to become more administrative. Right. And so what we call waiting, God calls preparing. And uh, so sometimes we get frustrated in the waiting. We see what other people have. And we get to compare our life like, man, Pastor Nate gets to do this or Cody gets to do this. And it's like you're seeing my right now calling, but you're not seeing the preparing and the waiting that I had to do to get to this point. Right. And I think sometimes people will judge their your right now on what their calling is, right? So they're seeing, and comparison does that. And so I, I would say that it's it's so much more beneficial to wait in the call, to prepare in the call, and to do whatever you need to do right now in, in that process to get ready for the next step. Whether you're a, a, a kid's, you know, junior uh, restoration kids worker, or you're the next steps director, or you're the worship leader, or you're a campus pastor. There are things that you can work on right now that help you prepare for the call. Uh, And then, yeah, I mean, I have a lot more to say, but we got limited time. So I think being obedient, you know, you want to be able to say yes to whatever God has for you. So what do you need to do to be, put yourself in a position where you can take that next step of faith And every step of obedience to God is a step of faith. There is no other guarantee other than he's trustworthy. So if we're looking for everything to be perfect and lined out for us, it's never going to be. You have to take a step of faith. Yeah. Yeah, and our call is to obedience. It's not to anything else. You know, it's to obedience. So if I have an opportunity to preach, then my call is to preach. If I'm on staff at a church, then my call is to the senior pastor. If I'm leading a church, then my call is to the Lord and to serve the board and the people. You know what I mean? So it's the Great Commission is our mandate, and then we find our call and assignment along the way. Right. And it changes in different seasons. And so it's keeping your heart committed to the things of the Lord and um, and uh, and knowing what your role is in, in each in each part. Yeah, that's good. In your message, <coughs> excuse me, I'm going to keep coughing until the <laughs> podcast is over and then I won't cough anymore. Uh, that's um, perfect. Good timing. In, in your message, you talked about being known and he knows us by name. And I thank you for taking sticking on the series with us. But what was the uh, was the moment of revelation or the moment of epiphany in each of you guys' life when you realize that God does know you? Mm. That's good. You want to go first? I didn't preach. He said, he said your, both of you. When he said in your message. Okay, so let's see. Can you I rephrase think, the question? No. I was texting somebody and didn't um, hear it all. It's, Cody and Deborah. <laughs> Each of you individually share 
What oh. was the moment of revelation or epiphany when you realized that God did know, he did know your name. He yeah. did know you yeah. Yeah. on a... So I grew up in church and have not known a day really without the Lord. And then, and I have a large family. I'm one of seven kids. I'm the fourth oldest girl. And when I was in high school, my parents um, separated and then divorced. My dad had been in ministry bivocationally. And um, I really, it shattered a lot of what I thought was my foundation, my family and security, safety, confidence, all of that was kind of put to the test. And I remember the Lord speaking to me, and it was in no callous way, but in a very comforting, empathetic way. He said, other people will fail you, but I never will. And in that moment, it was probably the really one of the first times that like I, I knew and I heard God's voice and that he knew my suffering and he knew everything I was contemplating and yet he was reassuring me that he would never leave me. And that was a moment where I got to decide if I was going to make my faith real and it actually be authentically mine or if it was going to be something that crumbled because my my parents' marriage had failed. And I chose to stay faithful to the Lord in what he did in me during that time of trusting him was not that I would distrust other people. He brought healing and an assurance that is that if I if he's with me, just like in the old time, if we're gonna take this mountain, you're gonna yeah. be with me. I'll take any mountain if you're with me, God. I really, I really tangibly knew that. And I think that's when I first felt known and really seen specifically by God. Not that I'd ever felt ignored. I had a, a good childhood, I have very loving parents. Um but it was just, it was very unique and very special. So from that point, it's been like, all right, that's us too and no more, you know, <laughs> being the Lord. Right. Um, and now even better to, to have a partner in ministry and family to do that with with our call together. But yeah, I think that was it for me. Yeah, probably 14. 14 was a big year. And then after call, after high school, just those moments, those transition moments, I think right. God just reassures mm-hmm. it. Um. And then, and then holding my first kid. Like I remember when Deborah had just given birth, and it was really hard was, work for you. Yeah, I, I did all the work. I was there, exhausted. So I had to wash my face in the bathroom because I was so tired from all the work <laughs> I had to do for that and you know engagement. But I walked out, and Deborah was just holding our first son Josiah, and I was like, "Man, everything changed right here." And it was just like. The Lord spoke to me in that moment. Do you see how she's holding him? That's how I hold you. And it was yeah. just a real epiphany about, I always knew God. I was close with him. I had yeah. a great relationship, but the the closeness of the father relationship to be known by him is to be comforted by him. Mm-hmm. So, I had middle child syndrome. So when I was 14 years old at a youth group, it was at the summer after eighth grade. And... Um, I went up front to have my knee prayed for growing pains Mm -hmm. and had a touch by God, like just, and I just was crying, crying. And I just remember like, I always believed in God. I knew God knew me, but I had no idea like he knew me, right? It was just like, yeah, 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 Yeah. uh, Nick Agney. Yeah, I I know Nick Agney. Like it'd be kind of one of those things. Like if you ask Doug Clay, 
Nick Agnew, uh, he's the one with the, with the, oh yeah, his kids, yeah. Oh yeah, Nick Agnew, I know Asher and. Yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah. I felt like God was that way. So that was a big thing. And then I remember I was probably about 35. And um, then I, it was like a, a big change where um, I realized God's not my employer, mm-hmm. right? Even though I'm working at the, ch- I'm working right. for his church That's and good. I'm his yeah. under shepherd. I was treating God like he was my boss. He's the boss. And, or it was like, I was God's employee and God's not happy with my results because I wasn't growing it quarter by quarter. Mm. And I think that was a big, no, I'm not your boss or your employee. Mm. We're, we're, I like the way Mark Driscoll talks about it, that um, you're uh, talks about going to work with his dad when he was a kid and he wasn't yeah. helping his dad. He wasn't yeah. contributing anything. Yeah. yeah, that's good. But he, I'm going to work with dad and so, on a ministry side of it. Yeah. I'm going to work with dad and he's doing all the work, but, um, but I've got the hard hat on in the lunchbox. <laughs> I really feel like I'm a part of it. Take your kid to work day. Yeah. Right? Those are mm-hmm. such powerful moments though, when it's not about performance or getting God's attention or what you, what we can bring to the table. He takes us just as we are created and formed us and knows us better than we know ourselves. Our mm-hmm. weaknesses, our strengths, our insecurities, our failures, our triumphs, all of it. And oftentimes because of just how we've been raised or grew up or however, we kind of look at God as, I'm just trying not to disappoint you. Right. And Scotty Gibbons says, God's not mad at you, he's mad about you. Mm-hmm. And when he yeah. said that, it just stuck with me. Like that's how much he knows you is he knows knows you in all of your shortcomings and all of your failures and still loves to call you by name and isn't mad at you, but is crazy about you. God would never, he, he could, um, I'm gonna speak in double negative. He will always and could never not get you the perfect birthday gift or Christmas gift. Right. It would always be yeah. like, how did you know? Right. Holy yep. moly! Right. This is amazing. Yeah. Every every time. Every gift. Yeah, would be like that. Yeah. How have you guys? Four kids, two high schoolers, um, two um, uh, a teenage daughter and a tweener daughter. A teenage daughter, Jesus help us. And uh, <laughs> how are you helping them? What What is your strategy? What's your What have you done that's been effective? How are you helping them to? know Jesus and to understand that he knows them by name. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I think there's a lot of pressure on even ministry families for kids to either want to be in ministry or know all the answers or whatever. Like one of our kids got like kind of heckled by a classmate that he didn't know an answer to a question in Bible class. And the teacher's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, that's hey, not a right. pastor supposed to know that. It's like if your dad's a plumber, does do you know how to work on toilets? Like, we have taught them some comebacks <laughs> for some of those things. Um, you know, the, so for us, it's for them to have a personal relationship with the Lord that's not through us or the church. And what we've wanted is for them to understand that God has created them on purpose for a purpose that they don't just exist, but they individually have a purpose. We may have a call as a family that we all are working towards, but but God's put a purpose deep inside of them. He's given them gifts for that and that their identity is found in the Lord alone. But 
um, the only way that they those things can be reaffirmed outside of scriptures for them to understand God's voice. So we've been really working with our kids to pray and to listen for and hear God's voice and then be obedient to that. Um, it's kind of like the older they, when they were young, we could dictate a lot of their life to them. You're doing this. This <laughs> yeah. is how you think. This is how you believe. This is a silly example, and maybe you're going to like it. Or, I don't know, but our kids are so funny. When they were little, we'd have to time them to brush their teeth, and it would be so long, and then they would, whenever they were done, they would always brush their tongue last. So for the longest time, our kids would yell from the bathroom at night, tongue now, can I brush my tongue now? To the point where they'd say the night with friends, and they would do that, and the parents would be like, what are they talking about? <laughs> You know, because when they're little, you're training them in everything. Tacos de lengua. <laughs> you're training them in everything. And it was like, what are we doing? Like our kids, I mean. We're the weird family. Yeah. So now as they've gotten older, it's like less of that dictation. Yeah. And more of like a coach. Right. Like, hey, you know, we want you to see God. We want you to know God. We want you to hear his voice. So we'll, they'll be talking and be like, you know, I have this friend problem and. I just feel like, you know, whatever, whatever. It's like, well, you know that. I just feel like it could be the Holy Spirit. Maybe telling you to pray for him or to call him. Mm-hmm. And that's something that you're going to have to discover on your yeah. own. And we want you to. But we, it can't be our faith. It's got to be, yeah. you, you got you to gotta dig that out yourself. So I think helping them recognize when they're hearing from the Lord in those unctions of the Holy Spirit that they have. and Or when they get words, like one of our kids will kind of get a word of knowledge about something. And it's just... You think in your cognitive brain, it's like, oh, well, he just put the pieces together. But really, like, it's a supernatural word about something. And then going, man, I love that. That's so good. And you know what? I think the Lord gave you that word. And helping them recognize that it's not their own ability. It's not their own intelligence or problem-solving skills or whatever. That it's the Lord speaking to them. And if they can hear his voice and recognize it, then that's, we've done our job as parents because someday they're going to- And obey it. And obey it. Yeah, Yeah. there you go. And obey it. Know his voice, recognize it, and obey it. Yeah. Yeah. It's important. And, And so at this age, I feel it's like, okay, let's help them identify those moments. Let's help them identify, okay, the Lord was using you here and, and coaching them that way so that it just becomes familiar. And that's what Eli did with Samuel he, he had to be like, hey, hey, bro, I think it's the Lord talking to you. You know, next time you hear your name, say, speak, Lord, your servant's listening. And so we need to do that too because there's so many voices in their life right now. You, you, you mentioned Eli and, he, you, you know, he's got Samuel there. He's coaching Samuel a bit on accident. Yeah. yeah. Right. He's just not deliberate about it. And then we know Eli's, the ultimate fruit of his life. His sons were yeah. like essentially executed yeah. by God. They were severely yeah. judged because they're doing like they're the pastors, but they're eating the communion yeah. trip. They're taking extra <laughs> yeah. money from the coffers. <laughs> they're prerogative. Yeah. yeah. They're doing everything wrong and they have no heart for God, for his people. They're just like, uh, whatever, like my dad's a big shot. Yeah. You're the, right. I remember when my kids were little, especially Benaya, he used to 
be in kids' church. He'd be like five years old. He'd be like, no, my dad's the boss of this place. And like yeah. threatening people. I'm like, dude, don't, don't ever. And you no. never taught him that at home, right? <laughs> no. Like it of just, course it not. just happened. <laughs> of yeah. course not. It's <laughs> like the old, my dad could beat up your dad. That's right. Exactly. But like, That's right. hey, I run this church. <laughs> yep. I run this church, yep. Linda. You are, you're not going to be telling me not to get That's extra right. snack. Yeah. I want some extra graham crackers. My dad will beat you. But Eli's like, he never told his sons. No. Hey, listen here. We, right. we're, we're servants. Yeah. We're not a place of privilege. And, but you know, that dichotomy between Samuel and, and potentially the guys he grew up with. Right. Right. They could have been in the same room or in the next bedroom. Right. And yeah, we've got to, we can't just let it happen just because we know God. Right. Or we're known by God. We've got to be deliberate about helping our kids to mm-hmm. to know him, be known by him. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Well, listen, we're about um, due for lunch. So <laughs> actually we're way overdue for lunch. Yeah, we're good. We're fasting for the Lord. Um, no, we're not. Any um, <laughs> Any podcast recommendations or books that you have just... You know, maybe you've got different Christian bookstores in Ohio. Actually, do you have any? We don't have any. No, Amazon. Amazon Amazon.com is a good Christian bookstore. Christian book distributors is kind of local. So, okay. Yeah, CBD.com or whatever. CBD. CBD. Okay, there you go. They're getting a lot of web traffic the last couple of years. Yeah, so I didn't pull any material from this book, but I have a friend who wrote a book called Known. Her name's Aubrey Sampson, and it's a great book on how when you really believe, start believing in who God calls you to be, um, it, it just kind of opens up and changes everything in your life. And so that's a book I would recommend. Um, we did some of our graduate school work together and she was writing the book during that time, but just how God's name for us is so much different than what the world would have. And so I think that would be a book recommendation, recommendation that I would make, whether you're on Audible or Kindle or like to, you know, mark up a paper book. She's got all those different copies available on Amazon. I don't know about a podcast or anything. Ah, uh, podcast. We do the Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast. That's always a good one. But I think a, a good book is, uh, around this topic, it's not a new author. It's kind of a throwback to Jack Hayford. Mm-hmm. He has one called Rebuilding the Real You. Ah, cool. It's anything a great book. He goes through the, the book of Nehemiah and talks about the how the Holy Spirit's work in our life can build us into the you God created you to be. So that's good. That's good yeah. stuff. Cool. Well, those are two that we haven't, sometimes we were like, well, I recommended this one before, but I'll recommend it again. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. That's two books we've never recommended before and neither that I've read. So I have to check those yeah. both out. And it's been good to be here with you guys. Oh yeah. You, what a great church. Checking some lobster. and Yeah, it was good. You and Michelle are such great leaders. We just really appreciate your friendship and the vision that you have for reaching people here in New Hampshire. It's been awesome to be a part yeah, of it. Restoration Church is doing things nobody else is doing. So it's uh, it's been fun to be here and see and yeah. uh, borrow borrow some techniques from you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's been awesome having you here. Thanks for leaving your kids at home and missing one of their football games. It's so anytime we can leave our kids at home. <laughs> I mean, we love them. Yeah. But we also love other people taking care of them. We're looking forward to coming to Ohio, bringing you to Kings Island for the first time. Come on. Yeah, let's do it. And uh, Next July. riding the beast together. Yeah. You'll have to do some kind of triathlon too. You'll have to make sure I don't cry. <laughs> on, the, on the beast? Yeah. yeah. 
All right, I'll do that. And Benaya needs to get triathlon training. Yes. Uh huh. It's mm-hmm. going to be a good a good summer. Well, yeah. listen, church. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching online. Thanks for being awesome. Follow Jesus today and tomorrow. How about that? All right. Bye, guys.